Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well, it's been tough going for the markets. Uh, we've been talking about that for a while now. And the one thing I'm getting from a lot of our guests, both on the GAINS podcast and the WBBM Noon Business Hour, is... It's too late to sell, but too early to buy. And we're kind of in that wait and see period. And for myself, and I'm sure a lot of gains listeners who like to trade and play the markets, you know, take what I call that casino fun money and throw it down. And and, and not being able to, to, to be active in the market can be a bit nerve wracking. But what do you do in this situation? And that's what we're talking about today. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. All right, let's bring on Tony Ogoric, founder of Ogoric Wealth Management in Buffalo. Uh, Tony, always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. How you doing? Andy, I'm doing fine. I wish we could say that our clients were doing fine financially, but... Uh... Everyone's in a little bit of a funk this year. And markets have certainly been in a funk uh, since the beginning of the year as well. So let's start today's convo with your current read on markets and, and where we're at. Andy, I think it's too late to sell and probably too early to buy. Uh, we're sort of in the in-between area. Um, you know, we're down maybe... Uh, you know, 23% or so. And uh, my estimation is is the market's probably uh, going to be looking at, you know, perhaps another another 10% down. So maybe down by about a third uh, before we start to get much buying interest. Are you getting a lot of uh, calls from clients saying, you know, a little concerned? We haven't seen markets get roughed up like this in such a prolonged way for quite some time. Are you getting the calls? Are people getting nervous? And what are you telling them? You know, we are getting some calls, as I imagine most uh, uh, advisors are. And, you know, when you look at the, uh, you know, the prior drawdown we had, which was about 34% in March of 2020, that was just a a couple of years ago uh, when COVID shut down the global economy. Uh, what happened is uh, it, it was fairly rapid in terms of the decline, and because of the Fed's actions uh, going all in with monetary stimulus, uh, the market came back 
extremely rapidly. It was really sort of a V down and, and V up. Uh, what's different now is that we've had, you know, sort of an orderly grind down in the market. And unfortunately, the Fed does not have the tools available, you know, that it had in 2020 in order to help uh, the markets recover. And in fact, what the Fed's trying to do is exactly the opposite, which is to, d- to destroy demand in the marketplace for uh, for goods and services, uh, and thereby hopefully bringing down inflation. And that's the big X factor here that we haven't seen for a very long time. We've been talking about it a ton during the game on the Gains podcast. You know, in other downturns, it's been the Fed or some kind of stimulus thrown at it. This is almost the other side of the coin. Yeah, and people, you know, are concerned about that because, you know, the politicians always love low, low, low interest rates. Uh, People who are buying, who have assets, you know, financial assets uh, are going to perform exceedingly well in a very low uh, uh, inflation, low interest rate environment, you know, as is housing. So a lot of people liked it you know, the way it was. Unfortunately, you know, we're finding inflation is a global phenomenon. It's really all over the place. Um, Some places are doing a little bit better, such as France, because they have a a rather substantial exposure to uh, nuclear power, uh, you know, for their energy. You know, other places are looking at at, uh, higher rates of, uh, you know, of inflation. And it's sort of been caused by a confluence of things. But at the end of the day, Andy, you know, the Fed is sort of fessed up to the fact that they kept rates too low for too long. And it's their job to, you know, to, uh, you know, to fix that issue. Now, you're probably, you know, like, I don't know, 27, just like me. Yeah, exactly. 27, just like you about 30 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So remember the, the phrase, the Greenspan put, and that was any time the market was, you know, looking to really, you know, hit the skids, uh, then Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan would step in with liquidity, you know, with uh, monetary policy, would support the markets, and then they would come up. So bottom line is, if markets ever, so part of their job, actually, I think, was looking at supporting markets to create some sort of a wealth effect. So anytime markets really got hit, the idea was the Fed was always going to come to the rescue. What's different this time is that people who've owned financial assets have done exceedingly well over the past 10 years. What we're finding is that people who actually worked for a living, you know, and, and earned wages, they did not do, you know, exceedingly well because there was a lot of wage constraints. And so now inflation is really hitting, you know, the, the wage earners and people who essentially spend what they've got coming in. It's unsustainable, and the Fed is basically saying, I'm going to look the other way at the, at, at, at the financial markets. You know, if they tank, um, guess what? The wealth effect tends to be diminished. People aren't going to be wanting to spend or buy. It's going to reduce demand. That's going to reduce inflation. And for these other people who are working, I have to go in there and really, you know, put a stake in the ground and say that we are not going to allow inflation to continue at these rates, and we really have to defend our reputation. And we've got one job, and it is controlling inflation. And whatever we have to do, we're going to do it. And markets, 
you know, you're sort of on your own for a while. And that's quite refreshing, I have to admit, because up until now, it was almost a, 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 I, there was a sense of denial from the Fed. Right. Are you in the recession camp right now? You mentioned it's too uh, it's it's too late to sell. And, and I've talked to a number of of guests recently who've said that exact thing, but yet too early to buy. So we're in this kind of wait and see area um do we see a recession coming forward and um how long do you think that holding period that we just talked about might entail well you know andy it's sort of like going to the doctor and saying uh, should i take some pills and the doctor says well andy there are pills and then there are pills and you know when we talk about recessions you know there are recessions and then there are are, are severe recessions so it really depends on, on on what you're looking to, to accomplish. Now, right now, the market's backed off, you know, 20 to 25%. And the P-E ratio on the market is maybe 15. Historically, it's averaged about 15.4. So all we can say at this point is that the market's probably, you know, fairly valued or maybe slightly undervalued. Oh, that's interesting. That that's interesting. Yeah. Just real quick. So... After this pretty monster pullback that we've seen, you know, going back even before the beginning of the year or at the beginning of the year, you see after that beat down us kind of just being pretty close to fair value. That's interesting. So it's it's certainly not, you know, undervalued or screaming buy it. And that's really why you're not seeing a whole lot of people buying the dip. And, you know, that's a great point, because in other beatdowns like 2008 and the likes, you got a sense that. uh we were getting close to the end of selling because markets just got so cheap. And that's just not the case here. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one other interesting thing that I think, you know, we do want to touch on that makes this uh, this market different than other bear markets we've had over the past few decades is that we have been in a bull market for bonds since 1981. You know, so for the past 40 years, it's only been a decline in interest rates, which generates capital gains in a portfolio. And so one of the reasons, you know, advisors tout asset allocation as one of the primary tools of controlling risk is because we have asset classes, stocks, bonds, cash, et cetera, that are what we call loosely correlated. In other words, when one zigs, the other zags. And so traditionally, there's been a relatively loose correlation between stocks and bonds. So when the stock market went down, there's a flight to safety. People move money to bonds. And because of that, interest rates tend to decline and bonds profit because of that. What's different right now is that the market is down about, let's say, 23% or so, but are down about 12%. And that's because the Federal Reserve has been doing two things. One, it's been raising the Fed funds rate which is the overnight rate that banks lend to each other. And it's an extremely, you know, short, uh, short duration or short maturity loan. However, you know, the Fed has tried to keep interest rates down over the past few years by buying about 40% of the new Treasury issuance by the government. So what they've done is created artificial demand for those bonds. And obviously the bonds are all sold at auction, so when everybody wants to buy them, government doesn't have to offer as much interest, thereby keeping rates low. 
Well, the Fed was buying, I mean, it's really a massive amount. They were buying $120 billion a month of Treasury securities. And what they've started to do now is to back off of that so that artificial demand is beginning to go away, uh, which means, you know, the longer end of the, the rate curve is, is moving up as well as the short end. And what the Fed's also doing you know, is indicating that they're probably going to take another whack, another three-quarter percent rat whack, <clears throat> excuse me, at raising rates in the in their July meeting. And when they set the expectation that, you know, this is going to be temporary and we're going to be, you know, uh, continuing to increase rates until we get the effect we want, uh, at some point rates are going to top out. And as they drop again, perhaps in a recession or not, that's when you're going to get some capital gains and bonds. But right now, the asset class that was supposed to protect, you know, when stocks go down is also going down about half as much. And that's why people are seeing the kinds of returns they're seeing in their portfolios. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Totally be doing us a solid there. And subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday and Friday mornings. We'll be right back with Tony Agoric after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back with Tony Ogoric, founder of Ogoric Wealth Management out of Buffalo. Uh, as we were heading into the break, uh, we were kind of talking about the setup and you've mentioned that some of the calls that uh, you've received from your clients or that you've mentioned that you are getting some calls from maybe some nervous clients. What's your advice? Let's start with those folks that are a little bit closer to retirement. Um, obviously, if you have a long ter- time horizon, this is actually probably a good setup for you. But uh, the calls from a little bit older folks or people who are approaching retirement, what are their concerns? What are they asking you? And what are you telling them? Well, you know, some people are wondering, you know, do I trade another year of my life to continue working uh, in order to get through this market? It's sort of like someone who says, you know, I'd like to retire, but I've got, you know, one more kid in college. And when I'm done with that, then I'll be able to retire. And really, the idea is your financial plan. You know, you should have a plan. It should be a written plan. That should be telling you, you know, what your parameters are and and whether this is, you know, a, a good time for you to retire uh, or not. So those are the, those are the specifics of it. Um, an important thing people need to understand is that bear markets are much more consequential for people who are in the beginning years of their retirement than people who are in the later years of their retirement. And the reason for that is, you know, the investment assets they have are are essentially income generators, and that's what's going to float your lifestyle. And in the event your base takes a significant hit 
in, in the in the at the beginning of retirement, um, what that's effectively going to do is increase the percentage draw that you're getting out of your account, um, thereby entailing you at some point in time to maybe have to take more risk in order to be able to earn that that uh, yield or distribution or draw that you're getting from your retirement accounts. So, you know, oftentimes it makes sense for people to go into into retirement with a lower stock allocation and then gradually increase it believe it or not. That is interesting. Uh, uh, that That's a yeah. really interesting point. I haven't heard that a lot. It's kind of counter of what a lot of people would think. And here's another thing. You have to understand that bear markets are pretty, they're temporal, but they're temporary. And, you know, to the extent that you can pull back on your spending on a temporary basis, and instead of taking the world tour, you know, maybe you take a tour, I'm not going to say to go to Yellowstone because it's washed out, but you know, to go somewhere a little bit closer where it's less expensive. And maybe that's just for this year. Or if you're going to be doing. I see like, know, like even pulling back on the, on the, on the spending front, maybe hold off a year on that Italy trip, go somewhere domestic. Yeah. And I think people need to understand what the value of an advisor really is in times like this. You know, some people have an unrealistic idea of what an advisor should do, which means that they should be able to tell the future and know when we're going to be looking at a recession, know when things are going to be pulling back, know when Putin's going to be starting a war in Europe. And we should see that. And then we should move accordingly, move them to cash and make sure that they're not getting hurt by things. And what I can say to you is, you know, Federal Reserve has one hell of a lot of economists and very, very bright people. And, you know, they've got a big building where they all work and they've got the best data. They didn't see, you know, the the, the global financial crisis in 2007. Um, they did not see what the financial impact was going to be of the pandemic. Uh, it's impossible to predict these types of events. So don't expect your advisor to be able to do that and sort of steer you out of trouble. Their true value, though, is offering you counsel and perspective during times just such as this to keep you from reacting emotionally, uh, from selling when you shouldn't be selling, and to keep you in the game because, believe it or not, as bad as people may feel right now, I'm telling you, if you go out a year, you're probably going to be feeling a lot better because you're going to be seeing a recovery. Holding tight, weathering the storm, what does a buying situation look like for you, and uh, and and where do you start nibbling first? Interesting, you should ask that because there are two ways you can go on this, Andy. First would be stocks, and the second would be bonds. Um, if we take a look at uh, if we take a look at stocks, uh, what has precipitated this decline is the Fed embarking on a tightening cycle. So. Uh, in the event that the news gets to be really sort of bad and, um, you know, it looks like the Fed is just beginning to stall out uh, and say, I think maybe we're getting the kind of impact we'd like to see, you know, that may indicate a pause or a decline in, in rates. At that point, it's probably going to be a decent indication uh, to begin 
you know, entering the market and looking for some of the things that have been hit now. When, when you do that, just story. real quick question, when you, when you yeah. are entering back in, are you doing it in a dollar cost fashion? Well, it depends. If you're comfortable with that, you can, you can be dollar cost averaging. As a matter of fact, you want, if, you, if you're a big believer in dollar cost averaging, you should continue to be doing this throughout the bear market because the object there is to buy more shares with an equal amount of dollars invested per month. And the whole game is not to make funders have shares through the roof. It's to accumulate as many shares as you can because when things do turn, the more shares you've got, the more money you're going to be making. And, and, so, and it gives you an opportunity to buy them at lower prices, which we're seeing right now. What areas of the market, when you do nibble, will you look uh, for that? You know, you, 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 you and I've been around the block. We've seen this stuff many times when, when you start nibbling in, in this kind of situation, what areas are you deploying cash initially to? What's that look like? Yeah, well, Andy, although we're only 27, the two of us, um, <laughs> you know, we have been around the block more than people would think. And what history tells us is that when a, bar, when a bear market hits, the leadership coming out of the bear market is frequently different than the leadership in the prior bull market. Interesting. So if, interesting. Okay, so yeah, yeah kind of expand on that. That's, that's an interesting right. take. Right. So people, you know, feel that what led, you know, what led the, the bull market previously was technology, right? Tech stocks, uh, you know, the fangs, things of that nature. And so people may reflexively think, well, you know, what I'm going to do is look at uh, getting back into those again because they're cheaper. However, some of the stuff that's really been annihilated, you know, is uh, emerging market stocks. Right. Uh, you know, they've really been hit. And we know that uh, the U.S. Uh, performance relative to foreign markets you know, has been almost at historic levels. So one of the dangers is when you decide to get back into the market, it's only looking at U.S. stocks, U.S. large cap stocks, or U.S. tech stocks, ignoring the greater universe of stocks. You ought to keep an eye on that because their performance may surprise you. And then if you look domestically, you know, tech let us out of the last real big downturn for stocks. And we talked about all those those technology and growth names. What do you think the setup is coming out of here? You mentioned merging markets, looking uh, outside of the United States. Uh, great idea. What, what, what kind of areas domestically can you see um, maybe being a leader? Or is it too hard to tell right now? Well, I think right now it's, you know, it is hard to tell. I think, you know, just some really interesting stuff to look at. There apparently was a leaked uh, email this week from Amazon, you know, indicating that they expect to to hit a labor crunch in 2024 uh, at at their current hiring uh, pace. And they're either going to have to, um, you know, really increase uh, wages and benefits uh, to attract people or they're going to have to really, you know, have their technology start to hit uh, to be more efficient. Um, you know, that, that's an issue. You know, you, you look at Netflix and, you know, people think, well, you know, it's really interesting. That thing's down 70%. Maybe that's a buy. But you know what? Maybe it should be down 70% uh, because they're no longer a growth story. Uh, and they have to make, you know, changes to their business model. And, and they are losing sus- subscribers, which has not happened in the past. You look at the auto manufacturers. And again, it, it's a real 
you know, issue there in terms of whether they're going to be able to, you know, get the wiring harnesses, whether they're going to be able to get the, um, you know, the batteries, lithium, whatever else it is that they need. Uh, if everybody decides to flip in that direction, uh, it really could be problematical. I mean, you look at Tesla, these, many of these manufacturers, they're just raising prices because they feel they can get it. Sounds like so, a bit of a warning, uh, even still, because I think a lot of folks who've seen those high growth names, and you've talked about a, a number of industries that were complete high flyers, it seems like uh, people want to dip their toe and they see such a, a huge sell-off, but that's clearly maybe not even the areas to look at. Yeah, I think it's you know it's, it's going to be essentially, um, you know, you're coming out of something like this. I think you're going to want to look for, um, you know, look for quality. Uh, again, you know, the U.S. economy was, you know, doing much better coming out of, out of pandemic compared with other economies because we went all in in terms of fiscal support from government and monetary support from the Fed. Unfortunately, you know, that's also produced inflation, which means that they're going to have to tighten the screws to get people to change. Now, one of the problems that we have is that when the Fed raises interest rates, um, what it, it, it's got certain transmission mechanisms. In other words, I can raise rates, but I can't force you, you know, not to take the vacation and do other right. things. But, what's but you can make it. You can make it. You can make it financially painful in a way, which they're kind oh, of yeah. doing it. Sure, but look, look what's different this time around, which is really, really interesting. So you don't want people to, to consume. You don't want them to, to travel and do what's what. Well, guess what? They've been locked up for two years with the pandemic, and they're saying, I don't care. I don't care what their price is. Uh, I want to be able to take that trip. I want to be able to buy what I want. I want to be able to do what I want to do because I haven't been able to do it for two years. And, boy, w w if that attitude is prevalent, the Fed may need to go you know, harder on rates uh, than people think. As we wrap up today's Gaines podcast, Tony, what what do you want to get across to the Gaines listeners? A lot of us are the degenerate in and out traders. That's why we call it Gaines. But then there's a, another part of this where, you know, we all have these long-term portfolios and we do the right things and and we do our, you know, measured approach to portfolios and the dollar cost in and and that kind of thing. Sure. What's your advice for the, you know, the gains listener, maybe the more conservative? Um, what's your long-term advice as we wrap up today's podcast? I think I would say just a few things. Uh, you know, the first is the primary determinant in your rate of return is not necessarily the advisor you're working with or the fund you're in. It's your behavior. And during times of stress like this, um, you know, you may be tempted to do things that you truly believe in your heart of hearts are, you know, to your benefit. But in hindsight, you know, you'll likely regret uh, doing that. So that's one piece of advice. The second, from the research, what research tells us is that the more you trade, 
the worse you do. I've I've heard that, and and us degenerates like myself who you know in and out of crypto markets, shorting the market, and then going long and that kind of thing. Uh, and that's our fun money. And and we've always said that on the Gains podcast from the very beginning. The stuff that that kind of stuff that we talked about is no different than roulette money. No different than Atlantic City money. Sure, if you, you know. Yeah, if you segregate an account, you put a little money in it, and you want to play with that, that's fine. You know, it's fun to have that, you know, that fun, high-growth crypto, I, I call it gambling money. But the real wealth, and we all need some in the long run, you know, yeah. you got to stay the course. And here's the interesting concept. You know, I ask people, what is it you want to do? And I ask, you know, potential clients this, what do you want to do? Do you want to make money? Or do you want to create wealth? The difference is making money, typically, it has to be quick. If it isn't quick, <laughs> they don't want it. And right. so we say, you know, if you want to make money, that's what you do. But if you want to create wealth, it requires patience. It requires belief. Because, you know, you only have one life. And when I've had clients who've been with me for 30 years, Andy, we have a chart in our Tamarack software that we use, and we show them this is what you put in three decades ago and what you've added, and this is what it's worth today. And if you weren't a believer, if you didn't believe in this stuff, you would have done something else with your money. But you only had one life. You put it in. You believed in what we were doing. You believed in the American system of capitalism, and look what you've got. And you got to have, you know, you have to have belief because we know this stuff has worked. And, you know, if you don't like paying school taxes, think of it this way. We pay, I pay a lot of school taxes. Maybe you do too. And I think, well, I'll tell you what, these kids are really getting a quality education. And a lot of them are pretty darn smart. And then they go to these colleges and they get even smarter. And what do they typically do? Well, they go to work for corporations. And they show them how to do things better, smarter, more profitably. I want to own shares of those corporations because that is the result of my investment of tax dollars in education is that I got a whole new generation of crew of people who are coming up with stuff that are making me want to throw out what I've got to buy the newest stuff they've created because it's that good. All right. Hey, big thanks to Tony Ogorik, founder of Ogorik Wealth Management in Buffalo. Uh, Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back on Friday morning, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Check your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 